0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, today I am Michael Doeys, and well, that's who you have today is Michael Doeys. It is me again, at least starting off with a uh, solo uh, group. <laughs> just a group of one for this week's episode. So if folks join, we will introduce them as they come in. So I, I, I always think that's fun to do when we have folks that kind of join mid episode, because it's like, you know, it's a open discussion for our hosts to come in and join and talk about all things tech. So I really enjoy that. I, I think it's fun and really enjoyable. So, uh, I want to thank you guys for all coming back and listening again. It's always fun doing this podcast. It's just a, a way to talk about tech and all things uh, technology related. So let's get into it. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is some changes and things that we have going on here with iAccessibility, Techopolis, and all everything in between. We have a new app coming out. Well, I say new, I mean old, but new, old or or old, new, or something. Uh, there's an app that you guys may have heard of. It's kind of a small app. You know, it only had 60,000 downloads or so. It's called VO Starter. It was the first voiceover training app on the iPhone back in like 2012, December 2012. And it started the group of apps that helped people learn to use voiceover. And I'm very excited to say that it's coming back in the store. View of Starter is an app that I enjoyed developing, you know, when I started building apps. And so it's really exciting seeing it come back. And it's now built with, uh, you know, a lot more lessons and, and more uh, information. So it's really exciting and even has some iOS 17 content, even though uh, that was just added very recently. So it's very exciting. And there's a little surprise I'm not going to tell you guys about until you get to listen to it when the app comes out. (laughs) Uh, That's the hint. That's the hint that you guys get to go on for when the app comes out. So I hope you guys enjoy Vo Starter. It will be a free app once again. So I'm very happy to see that coming to the App Store. I was hoping Apple would have gone through the review process by the time the podcast came out. Or at least was uh, being recorded, but it doesn't look like that's the case. So that's unfortunate, but it's going to get there. So I also, the next bit of news that I want to talk about is our wonderful and awesome radio station that we're currently broadcasting on. You guys have been using the heck out of it, and I'm so excited about that. In the past week, since our last episode... There has been over 100 uh, hours of listening on IACast radio, and I'm pretty excited about that. So it's great to see that 117 hours in total this month. So that's pretty exciting. And I want to welcome Michael Babcock to the episode. He is now joining us here on Zoom. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the IACast in progress.
1: (laughs) Hello, Michael. Thanks for having Hello. me.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, yeah, certain. We, we just started talking about some of the IIA Cast Radio and Vo Starter uh, stuff. So I don't know if you've been listening since the episode started, but uh, thanks for being here.
1: No problem. I got I got stuck watching my pick.
0: <laughs> oh great! I have. a Oh, I know what your pick is. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I I've I have I've started watching my pick as well. Both I think are on the same network.
1: <laughs> More so <that's>, than likely. <laughs> that's pretty
0: exciting. Um I'll have to watch your pick. And it's funny because nobody knows what we're talking about. You probably don't even know what my pick is unless you've been following social media.
1: I did not. I'll have to take a look on social media while you're explaining what's going on.
0: Yeah. So We've been talking about IACast Radio and we already talked about VO Starter, but uh, we are also very thrilled to have, um, you know, our live content. And, you know, this past week we've had Technically Working and the Unmute Community Call on IACast Radio. And I like to see more uh, actual live content here on the radio station. It's been very exciting and especially that we've had over 100 listener hours in the past seven days that's awesome that's
1: uh that is amazing nice
0: yeah i mean we went from last saturday when we started uh our first live broadcast of um of of 17 hours or 16 hours to this week where this month we've had 117 total hours that's exciting
1: and it can i mean it can it can stay stagnant and go down but we hope it'll just keep going up so that's positive Right, and we've had a lot of people listening, you know, through the through
0: the week. So I hope people keep listening and they keep liking the content. You know, we've uploaded programmatic episodes, we've uploaded uh, a lot of the latest unmute episodes and the latest IAcast episodes. So there's always new content every day on this radio station. So I'm I'm really excited about it.
1: Are you live streaming now?
0: We are. We are on the Ooh, radio. Hello, live audience. Yeah. I don't think yeah. we have many. I don't think we have many people at the moment, but uh, probably not.
1: That's what we should work on next: is uh, building that traction for live content. Because you're right. consistently doing live at a regular time,
0: right? Exactly. And so we have uh, our YouTube, and I, I believe, uh, you know, we've already had a chat from uh, from Taylor on there, and so yeah, we we've been having some great content come out. So, so that is all fantastic. So and and it's just kind of fun uh, running this radio station, and we want to do more interactive and live content on the radio. So we're always thinking about new ways of of leveraging that. All right, so that's kind of the what I wanted to talk about with the uh, with our stuff. And and Michael, you guys have had some great stuff with unmute this week. Like I said, y'all have done technically working here on the radio, and you guys have done a lot of other episodes. Do you want to let people know? what you guys have been doing.
1: Sure. So on Unmute Presents, you can get the latest content and we are publishing IACast one week uh, late. I need to go in there and start scheduling that because I almost forgot this morning, but i got it out there. So that's positive. However, yesterday, Lynn did her first solo episode of Friday Finds. uh, So that was pretty exciting to see that grow. Uh, On Thursday. It was. I think she did a great job on it. Uh, Thursday, Lucy and Marty sat down and talked about – Mallory's following me, so I've got to make this quick uh, – about the fact that of uh, uh, Books with Lady A, we talked on about the shell phone show, uh, Moving Files, and then the Unmute Presents regular show.
0: Yeah, so they they have been producing some great content. Check it out on the radio station or subscribe or follow whatever they call it this, you know, day – for the podcast feed for Unmute Presents. It's always great content. Always uh I always look forward to when they produce new stuff. So check that out. It's it's gonna be great listening and will keep you busy for a while. All right. So this week we have a few interesting topics uh to talk about. And this one has caused quite the stir on Mastodon. It's it's very extreme, I guess you could say. <laughs> So if anybody knows me, I went absolutely crazy on Prime Day because I found what I thought was an amazing deal on this four terabyte SSD from SanDisk. It's the Extreme Pro. And I quickly bought one for $239 and it showed the retail price was $900 And that was a steal in my mind. Well, I've been using this for nearly a month, so I think I'm going to be in the clear. But The Verge did a large article on these drives, and they talked about this on This Week in Tech. And I liked the video which sent it to Mastodon and Twitter. Or X. Twitter X. I'm going to call it that, just to cover all the bases. Um, But basically... This drive has been shown that there's several versions of this drive, the My Passport and several others from Western Digital. And I didn't know Western Digital bought SanDisk. I had no clue. When did that happen? I have no clue, but apparently it's a thing. And so several, four of these uh, brands of SSDs apparently got a firmware update to fix a bug where the file systems on these drives were losing files. But according to the Verge, the, the firmware update has not fixed the issue. And so you have these huge drives that have fast transfer speeds and uh, high capacities that are losing files.
1: Because that's what everyone wants their hard drive to do.
0: Right. So, and, and these are very popular drives, right? So... The, according to The Verge and, and Twit, what's happened is they really haven't said how they're going to fix this issue. They just, what they did was they discounted the drives and the rumors are they're going to discontinue them. Now, interestingly, Amazon now says there's 12 left in stock and the retail price has gone down from eight ninety nine to $315. Now, big drop. Yeah, and so it's like, what's going on with these drives? Now, there's been a big conversation on Mastodon between me, Robin Frost, and Andre Louis, and, and he's saying that you can look up to see if your drive is in the bad batch. Um, and I believe Robin has said that hers does show up in the bad batch, but uh, she hasn't had any issues yet, and I don't know if mine is or not. I haven't looked. I use mine for backup purposes only, but even you know, just knowing that these drives have a defect is kind of a big thing. You know that that something could happen with these because they look rather nice; they are a nice looking drive, and it's like, man, you know, even two hundred and thirty dollars is a lot of money. You know, and I think it would just be better for them to recall if they're having problems and fix the issue. But uh, I I don't know. It, it's, now, apparently, again, they're, not all of these drives are in the bad batch of, of units. But uh, according to The Verge, the, the way this is handled is not the most professional way that SanDisk and Western Digital could have handled it. And, you know, back in the, hard, the HDD hard disk drive days, I did not always have the best luck with Western Digital. And I'm, I'm kind of disheartened that SanDisk is a Western digital company because I've seen so many drive failures from them. So I I don't know if I'd buy another one. But at the same time, you know, I thought this was a good deal because you're getting two gigabyte a second downloads, I believe. And that's huge. That's fast. That's, that's fast. Yeah. Know? I mean, and apparently this is happening to the extreme, not just the extreme – pro drives. And I believe Taylor has an extreme drive. So it's like, man, what SSDs do you buy now? <laughs> Cause that makes up a big part of the portable SSD market. You know,
1: it does. That's a, a, a big part of the SSD market is ran by one company. That's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I don't know the model of the uh, SSD that I got that Damasi gave me, but they're in, enclosures so i can grow it or change those if i want to and then i have a sand disc i think it is um spinning drive that is two terabytes that i got done on amazon for like 50 dollars, which to me i thought was a great deal and then i realized how slow spinning drives are yeah
0: <laughs> and so. you know the the other um the other drive that i have is a I, I always say Lacey. I don't know if it's lossy or, or whatever the, the name is, but it's a two terabyte SSD and it's actually smaller than in design. The only thing I don't like about that one, it has two plastic ends on it and the rest of it's metal. I'm like, man, what happens if those two plastic parts come unglued? Because they actually kind of <laughs> move and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> but I, I like their drives. I also have a, a rugged rugged um, spinning drive from them that I really like. That's two terabytes. So, um, you know, I, I do recommend them. They're a little more expensive than other brands, but they, they've they made good products. So, and go figure, they sell them at the Apple store. <laughs> <laughs> so those are all things to think about when you go out and buy a new drive. And I mean, I, I'm not saying I would stop buying these drives because maybe they're about to bring out something new that fixes the issue, Right. But I just, I think it's good for people to be aware that, you know, there may be a fix, there may not be. Um, I know Andre Louis was very confident that this has been solved and and that, you know, you could figure out if you have a bad drive and things like that. But I would, you know, if if they're dropping the prices on these things and, and 12 left in stock, it just, it sends a message, right? So...
1: It does. It does. And who knows what will happen. And I'm sure we'll we'll be sharing more information about it.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll keep you posted because I thought this was such a steal of a drive. And even MKBHD, you know, Marquez uh, Brownlee was like, this is the drive to get right now. You know, he was really pumped about it on Twitter. And, you know, I, I do kind of feel like a lot of tech journalism is a lot of doom and gloom these days. So, you know, take that as you will. I, I do like the this week in tech stuff, but sometimes I do kind of have a lot of negativity towards uh, technology and sometimes the Verge does too. So that's that's just kind of my view. They they lost a lot of important files on their drive, but I kind of feel like um, I only use this drive for backup. I don't use it for any live production. You know, I, I do everything on my local machine and then when I'm done, I back it up, right? So
1: do you back up your backups. You know I really do
0: not. I know it's good to do that, but I I just I don't have the I don't have the
1: drives to do that, right? So what I've thought about doing is uh, setting one of these backups as a backup or one of these drives as a backup and then setting something like uh, Backblaze to just back up that backup drive. Mm-hmm. That way mm-hmm. I have an on-site and an off-site backup. I have not set that up yet, but it's something that I've really considered that, doing. I think Marty's really, doing that.
0: That's a really good idea. And Backblaze is a great service
1: it is yeah and and it's doable on the mac uh, at least i've not tried it on windows but it's my understanding it's fairly accessible on both platforms too mhm mhm
0: yeah i've heard good things i i just haven't used them <laughs> so it it's one of those things and and we could have a whole episode on on proper backup procedures and and you know that that brings up a story um how important backups are. This happened to uh, my family, well, family friend this week. They got scammed by somebody at their work and they had their backups of their financial data on their local computer. And it was using uh, some desktop software. And the the scammer got in with a tool and deleted their entire backup, probably copied it off site. And they said, well, uh we we can set this up for you if you pay us money and they were posing as the company that um they were posing as the company that uh they they were trying to get support from but it wasn't them it wasn't the company so it, it's kind of like a social engineering ransomware attack so you know backing up off premise and and off the machine that you're using Is very, very important when you say Michael.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So my files, this is my setup. I use Mistro, M-A-E-S-T-R-A-L on the Mac for my Dropbox client, and all of my Dropbox client files are stored on an external drive, because then naturally, any of the things that I, and I work directly out of Dropbox, so anything that I do is uh, backed up in Dropbox and is available whenever I restore the computer, or if I have to sign out and sign back in, or I switch to different device. And the reason I picked Dropbox is because it's just working just just fine for me on Windows and on the Mac. And Mistral gives me the ability. It does take the share file option out of the context menu. There are some keyboard maestro macros that you can set up to put those back in place or to give you keystrokes for it. Otherwise, you go into terminal and you type in maestro share link create and then it gives you a and then the path to where you're sharing it. And then it gives you a link that you can copy and paste and share. So there are ways to to do it, but that naturally gives me a backup. And then my, my Reaper uh, config file is set to save in my document slash Reaper that's inside of Mistral on my Mac or on the external drive. And uh, any tool that I use tries to either use iCloud for my documents or Mistral for my documents. I, I was using Mistral for a while just for all my documents. Uh, it, it became kind of a pain for me to configure. So I've kind of fallen back over to iCloud because, well, I'm going to be given Apple $33 a month anyway, so they can mm-hmm. give me two terabytes of storage. Uh, yep. So that's that's my current setup and how I'm naturally backing things up, but don't use another tool to back things up.
0: And my developer stuff, I just put into Git anyway. So, you know, GitHub. (laughs) So, yeah, there's so many ways to back up. and, And again, we could have a whole episode on that. But it's very important, very, very important to consider good backup solutions, especially with how, you know, security and things like that are going these days, I guess we should talk about something a little more positive. And, and that's the whole point of today's episode. And I think it's pretty exciting to talk about this because we've talked about Android and, I, and iOS, or specifically iPhone before on this show, and which one's better. But what about tablets? What about uh, which tablet is better for everyone or anyone? Would it be the iPad or an Android tablet? So, Michael, do you have any experience with? I'm sure you've used iPads, right?
1: I have an iPad to my left right now. It's an iPad Mini. With mm-hmm. a key. no, this might be an error. I don't know. I'll look here in a second and let you know for sure. But it's an iPad something. Um, as you can tell, it's not my primary computer uh, or my primary mobile device at all. I use it primarily to check state email because I am a commissioner for the state of Oregon. And so uh, we get our state email to the iPad. And that's literally all I use it for. Every once in a while, I'll jump into a Zoom. Um, I don't personally like the interface of iOS. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't like the real estate on an iPad because, as a completely blind individual, I do get a little overwhelmed. And I feel like the keyboard support for iPad OS is not where I'd like it to be, or it's not. There's enough different keystrokes or enough different changes that it makes iOS and switching between iOS and macOS sometimes a little difficult to navigate. But from my experiences, because I have very limited experiences with an Android tablet, I'm gonna be an Apple Apple fanboy and say if you need a tablet, the iPad's the way to go. <laughs>
0: well, and and that's kind of the point of this uh uh episode is is Apple always the way to go? And and is Android worth looking at? So in in reference, I have a Samsung Galaxy Tab S8 Plus as my Android tablet. It's not a cheesy donkey Android tablet that you can break, you know, easily. It's a premium tablet, right? Kind of like the iPad. And there are some benefits for the Android tablets compared to the iPad. And I want to talk about those and, and, and talk about the differences and, you know, the, the, the one thing about the iPad that you're always going to get is a great media experience. Even the iPad Mini is just superior in sound. Um the, the, the S8 Plus isn't is not even the biggest size Android tablet, but its speakers are that of probably worse than the iPad Mini. So the iPads just have sound figure it out i mean the 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 samsung does have stereo but bad stereo is is not better than <laughs> well you know i that think was stereo right i think well i think the ipad mini may have top it has top and bottom speakers so i think it's stereo but it doesn't have the four speaker system it has four speaker holes on each side but it's just still two speakers it's kind of weird so it's not the same as like the four speaker setup like that even the the Galaxy S8 Plus has but it's just the, the the amount of sound and the quality that it puts out is just not as good as an iPad. So that's one thing to keep in mind but the now the the Samsung lineup now all has on the S9 OLED which the iPads do not have even at their highest quality device. So you're mm-hmm. going to get a slightly better screen on the Android tablets, but mini LED on the iPads is still pretty close. It, it really is.
1: So And I apparently have an iPad eighth generation.
0: Okay. So I think they're on ninth or tenth now.
1: Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure. And and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not my preferred way to and the one thing that I have problems with, honestly, is text editing, even with a keyboard. I find Mac OS text editing, which can be a little finicky in some instances with voiceover, to be a lot more stable than text editing on iOS with a keyboard.
0: Well, or iPad OS. For a long time, iPad OS did not have great keyboard support, and app developers didn't implement good keyboard support. But one thing that's interesting, I I y'all all know I'm a big gamer. And I don't know if it's something Apple did or Microsoft did, but Microsoft Bedrock implemented full keyboard support. So with my magic keyboard, I was doing WASD to move around and the trackpad to look around just like on a desktop. That's cool. That is so cool. And to see that kind of development going into the keyboard of the iPad air and pro lineup is very exciting to see where this is going for gaming in the future. You know, we talked about, or Apple has talked about, you know, really improving gaming support on their on their operating systems. And I think they're doing that, and I think we're we're going to get there eventually. They're just very slow to the party. They always have been on gaming. So it, it's really neat seeing that, but at the same time, Android, uh, especially Samsung, and that's kind of the the other. That's one of the drawbacks with Android is. Each ecosystem of Android is slightly different. Like, you know, you buy a Google Pixel uh tablet or whatever they call it. Um Pixel Tab or whatever. And that's basically a glorified home hub. I mean, it could play some videos and content, but it's not where any near where the Samsung devices are.
1: You know, I've the, never the, used a Samsung, so I wouldn't know that, but that's that's interesting to hear. Mhm.
0: And and one thing that you will experience though on on Android tablets is uh, that that is different from an iPad. Is every app on Android tablets run in full screen? Whereas iPhone apps on on an iPad, if they're not meant to have an iPad interface, will have these bars, these black uh, areas around the app, even if you scale it up to be bigger. So. You never can get a full, full screen experience with an app on iPad that's meant for just the iPhone. An example of that is Threads. So the app will always have area around it that is not the full, you know, user interface. Whereas an any Android app will run in full screen on the tablets that I've seen anyway. Now, they don't look like a tablet experience. They don't they don't have a, a tablet experience, but they at least run full screen. They look like giant phone apps, but they are scaled up and they do not have those stretching and all that that you have to do to make them you know, look good. Now, Threads does have something that you could do on the iPad and that's to use Stage Manager with it. And that actually looks pretty cool, right? And I have not tried to use it in, in, in uh, split view with another app, but that might also work pretty well. But Android does not have that restriction of making an iPhone app or Android phone app full screen. It just is. It may not look great. And in fact, one of the problems with Android tablets is that more of the apps are not tablet apps. Now, here's... Where Michael, I would like to know your perspective, because, you know, the problem with tablet apps on iPad is they are so cluttered. They are huge for voiceover because you almost have to be spatially aware of where things are. Right. But if you had a giant iPhone or Android app that took up the whole screen, would that make a tablet more user friendly as a screen reader user?
1: I don't know. And as we talked about this, uh, I realized, you know, maybe my experience with iPad OS because you're right. If you're spatial aware, you can just reach up and tap on that thing that you want. And maybe my experience with iPad OS and a keyboard might be improved if I started leveraging the item chooser more, because then I could just do VOI and then start typing the name of the element that I'm looking for on screen. And that would focus it right away. Because... For me, it's not the touchscreen that's the biggest issue. It's trying to navigate from, for example... One button in the top left corner to a tab that's second in on the lower right side. You know, uh, just getting from the top to the bottom, where visually, as a visual interface, you just tap on the aspect mm-hmm. on the the part that you want. So I'm going to try with item chooser more and see if that makes a better dip diff- makes it a better experience for me to mm-hmm. use. Uh, a lot of keystrokes on the iPad now. I've noticed, for example, in Zoom. Uh, will translate over though. And that's one of the nice things. So I can hit command shift a on zoom on the iPad and that will mute and unmute you or option Y will raise your hand.
0: Mm -hmm. And you know, with the iPad with the C and the new webcam support, you can hook up like physical webcams and not use the iPad one. And with logic we've seen where you could even pick which uh input destinate or input device that you use so you could use other microphones or pick the iPad microphone so we're getting into a realm where we're, we're getting more choice of how our devices work whereas on Android you have more fine grain controls of on the tablet like I can plug in USB C and pick my microphone I have noticed, though, on certain Android devices, and I'm not sure if this is on Samsung, but whenever I had a Pixel, if I hooked up a microphone, it did some weird mechanical isolation Uh or things to the audio, even like in a voice recording app, whereas iOS did not do that. So, again, any media-related stuff, I, I would go with the iPad. But you know again I'm wondering like uh, do you think that uh if if an if an app on Android was more for a a phone based device would you you would you prefer that compared to like a you know split view uh menu on the left content on the right kind of approach that the iPad does
1: Yes I think I would because I already know what I'm ex- what I'm what I should be expecting there Mhm and so I won't get lost in the mass amount of quantity of content.
0: Right. Because like, you know, certain Android apps do have that, like the Android settings and things like that are, you have your options on the left and then your, your or you have your menus on the left and your, your options on the right, kind of like on iPad. But many apps do not have that yet. It's still just a giant phone app that just takes up the whole screen. And I even think apps like WhatsApp even run on Android tablets where it does not on uh, iPad. I believe my Samsung tablet even has a phone app and the iPad (laughs) has FaceTime. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting that the differences and, and, and one thing to keep in mind, though, is Android tablets are not created equal. So the Samsung tablet has a feature and I think even the phones have this feature that if you hook them up to a keyboard and mouse, they actually go into a desktop mode. I've heard in the past there's some accessibility issues with that, with this, with TalkBack and the screen reader, but Samsung's model of that is called DeX, and it makes it into basically a computer where you could have your files and all those things. Do you think that that's useful, or do you think just a tablet being a tablet connected to a keyboard and mouse would be more uh, preferable?
1: I don't know, because I've heard horror stories about Android and keyboard support. Um, I I don't have any experience with it. So I think having a Android tablet connected to a keyboard that has not good keyboard support might not be the best experience. Right. That makes sense. And I mean, Sam, and and here's
0: the problem. And and one thing people have to keep in mind, Samsung may have good keyboard support, but others may not. Right. You know, the one thing that a lot of people do not realize with Apple is if you make a good iPad app and you make it also work for the Mac, any menu options, any keystrokes you make for your Mac app to work with the menu bar translate to the iPad to use with their keyboard shortcuts. Did you know that, Michael? I
1: did not. Yep.
0: Keyboards are tied to the menu bar. So if I build an iPad app and I, I make a menu structure so it could be a Catalyst app and work on the mm-hmm. Mac, then all those keyboard shortcuts will transfer over to the iPad. Okay. Even though there's no menu bar.
1: That's interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Because on the Mac, the way that most key, keystrokes are added is through menu shortcuts. So if if I remove Command-C, for example, f- or if I remove copy from mm-hmm. the menu bar from the edit menu in my in my mac app or or a, an ipad app that has catalyst if i remove that option then control c- i mean command c will not work at
1: all okay that huh so those aren't tied to the operating system they're tied to the app itself then correct
0: uh, those they, key they are they're linked to the operating system but typically they are added in the app it's just that they are mapped to operating system level menu commands. as my understanding. But I can have a, an app that has just, you know, like say I'm building a Python application and I don't implement the edit and all those menus, then I cannot use the command C or command V in that app on the Mac. Same with the iPad. If I don't add the, the menus or give it that ability, uh, I I think actually on iPad copy and paste are are just given right, but if I were to specifically go in and remove them, then you know they wouldn't work. Gotcha. So it's kind of interesting, and and I think they do that so that it it's just standard. You know how it works. Whereas on Android, you have to add functionalities. You have to tell it what what you want it to do, and if you have a menu on Dex or or however they do their interface. How that works on Samsung's decks may not work the same on Google's implementation and things like that. So that's why it's again so fragmented on Android. But at the same time, you know, when when apps are made on a tablet for Android, they're going to work pretty well. And one thing that the iPad does not have is uh, that the Android devices do have is a vibration uh, uh, motor and a lot of the the things that phones have. So like if you're playing a game on Android and, and it will vibrate your phone, it will also vibrate your tablet as well. Oh. So you even get keyboard click vibrations and all that on Android tablets. So if you like that feedback, that's also something that you could get there as well.
1: So it's kind of interesting. Uh it it is. It is. And and I don't I don't see myself going out and picking up a tablet, but I'm glad to know that in this day and age we definitely have choice. Right. And, you know, Samsung has been putting out Android tablets
0: for a while, and Google just did not think that they were a viable option for a long period of time. But I think they're starting to see that, you know, Samsung is doing good with these. And I think that it's just, we need choice, right? And I think for, you know, going between the choice between Samsung, Google, and Apple— we have choice where we didn't in the past. And I think that's what is really important is, is that we do have the ability to say, okay, I'm I'm an Android user and I'm a Samsung user. Maybe I want to look at a Samsung Tab S8. And you're not getting a, or, or the A series, if you want a cheaper tablet, and you're not getting a substandard tablet that can't do things. You're getting a tablet that... May not do the media quality of sound uh, that that an iPad can, but you're getting a good screen and a good app experience, right? So, I think that that's also it depends on the ecosystem. Like, my dad is a uh, he's used uh, uh, Samsung throughout his whole experience of using smartphones, and mm-hmm. uh, my stepmother uses iOS and you know they can text each other from their tablets and you know he he was thinking about an iPad and I told him I said dad you won't be able to text from your iPad you know it it uh-huh. doesn't, it doesn't work yeah because uh it will not connect to that android phone and he says well there goes that idea <laughs> you know so he he's going to stick with his s uh, s series tablets because they work and let him text to his iPhone or to his Android phone, where his uh where, you know, switching up the system would not. Uh same with with my stepmother. She uses iPhone and, you know, she had a hard time setting it up, but she got it. I helped her set up where she could text from her iPad. And now they could just text from their their tablets. It's not something they have to worry about, right? So it just depends on what ecosystem you're in, and and I think a lot of people are like, well, I've got an Android device, and 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 I need a, a good tablet, and I don't think that there are good uh, 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 tablets out there. And the truth of the matter is that's not really the case anymore. And I feel like uh, it it's just based on what ecosystem you're in, and and what you what your preference is, and because I think there was a time. You know, we had the Nexus 7. Did you ever have one of those,
1: Michael? I did not.
0: It was like a $200 amazing uh, Android tablet from Google. It was just Mm -hmm. like, this is the Android tablet to have. It was just $200 and it was a good form factor and it was great. But um, they stopped making them and it was sad. But even back then, it was mainly phone apps. They didn't really have a lot of tab- tablet apps. And it was a seven-inch tablet. It was just perfect. And and so after that, it the tablet appeal on Android just kind of lost its steam. And I think that uh, um, Android's kind of just finding that again uh, to kind of build back up to uh. And I think even Apple is kind of having to figure out wh- how do we reinvent the iPad? Because the Mac is just blowing it out of the water, right? And I've, I, I y'all all know I'm a tech enthusiast. I love my devices. I love my dev- you know, everything I buy. I have the M1 iPad Pro, and I just didn't see the need to get an M2 version. And I feel like that's kind of like, okay, maybe M3 if they do something great, but I'm very happy with what my M1 does. So I feel like we need or Apple if if they want to keep people coming back for these iPads, they need to keep innovating because Samsung, you know, just brought all the iPad lineup, I mean not iPad, the the Galaxy Tab lineup to OLED. Now, now many LED is great and the speakers are top notch, but what is going to be that next thing that says I need the M3 iPad Pro, right?
1: They're going to bring macOS to the iPad Pro. That's not been said ever before,
0: right? <laughs> you know, I would love a a mixed um, iPad, and I, you know, in, in in saying that, I think that's something that Apple could do. Is you know, they're already making macOS into iOS plus <laughs> plus. So I, I think that they could do that, but it, they're just working their way to touch screen max is what I think they're doing. So, so I guess we're going to, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of stuff today. And <laughs> so um, do you have any final thoughts, Michael, on, on any of this stuff before we go ahead and wrap it up?
1: Um, not really. Just realize, I think, I think it's important for people to realize, especially if you're getting into this tablet game or getting into new technology game, wherever you're going, research the return policy, because if you try something out and it doesn't work out for you, chances are you can return it, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe pay a small restocking fee, but make sure you're aware of that and see if it works for you. And maybe 14 days isn't enough, for example, to try something out. But at least you have a general idea of, you know what, I can I can probably grasp this, even though I don't fully right now. And try some of these things out more, especially if you're interested in, in newer technology or different types of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, an iPad might work better for some, whereas a Samsung tablet might be the best solution for you.
0: Yep. And, you know, one thing I was just thinking about that we didn't talk about, and, and this will, I'll keep it brief. One thing that I do not like on the Android side is the space you know iPads are expensive devices but they offer huge amounts of storage i think even the iPad mini goes up to to 512 gigs and i love my mini wow yeah but i think the biggest samsung at the most it's either 128 or 256 so that's small yeah and they don't have i think they do have an sd card slot if i remember right um uh, so that's a plus, but at the same time, uh what if you're trying to do video editing? What if you're trying to do some of these things? You know, we we do have uh Final Cut and Logic on iPad now. So that's, you know, another thing to keep in mind. What are you using it for? And can you can you get away with having a tablet with like 64 gigs or 128? I actually think that's The S8 lineup had only 64 and 128, even at a 14-inch size tablet. So that, you know, because I think what they're trying to get people to do is pay for their cloud storage, you know. It's kind of that that little gotcha there, you know. So it just depends on what you're trying to use these things for. Like, if I'm I'm downloading my pick and I want to watch all the episodes on a plane, I'm probably not going to be able to do that on a ta- on a Samsung tablet, <laughs> and most definitely not on the Google tablet, so I think that those are are all things to really consider and you know the nice thing about an iPad or a Samsung tablet is you can just take it out and turn it on, and you've got a big screen, whereas even a MacBook Air you have to take it out, unfold it, turn it on, log in, get to your app. And do all the things you want to do it's so much simpler on a tablet to just get to specific content and and get into what you're doing faster than on a full computer and that's kind of the um the the attractive value of having a tablet so that that's just my my final two cents there because I feel like all one of the things that I like to do on the IACast is give people an informed choice. Why go this and not that, right? And whether it be as a user that uses it with your vision, low vision or screen reader, there's always, you know, uh, advantages and disadvantages. You know, the biggest disadvantage for an iPad is they're expensive. They are very expensive. But you're going to get your money's worth i mean this one i've had for two years and it's on verizon and I, i it's just always there it's always working right and i don't even think that the samsung's have a cellular connection i could be wrong but um yeah it's just always things to look at there there's advantages and disadvantages it's just what you want to use and you know i like native apps for things and to watch our picks i think you have to have a uh a web browser you have to be in chrome to do that so like you could listen to apple music as an app but i don't think that they have um an actual apple tv app
1: yet no uh, for in- android mm-hmm. there's not
0: yeah although interestingly so i was working on an app the other day that uses um web debugging to to debug problems and guess so I, I was playing uh, an episode of Star Trek in the Apple TV app on my iPhone. And guess what was a web view that was debuggable?
1: I don't know. What's that?
0: The Apple TV app. So apparently uh-huh. it's a so- wrapper around a web view. So it's when it plays videos, it's just pulling them from web content anyway.
1: That makes sense because if you have voiceover turned on and you're listening to a video right before the end credits, you hear voiceover say something like webpage loaded um and so it's it's really interesting to hear oh, that because then I know that the credits are about to come up, and it's going to offer me to jump to the next episode interesting
0: wow, so yes we we have figured out that the Apple TV app is. It's just a regular native app, but it's loading the content from a web page. Very interesting.
1: TV.apple.com if Mm -hmm. you're not an Apple user. Yep. But you want to check out Apple TV.
0: so good. I don't know, though, if you could watch all of your content. Like... If I, if I purchase seasons of star Trek, I don't know if I I think watch it's only on Apple plus,
1: I think it's only yeah. Apple TV plus. I don't and think it's your purchase content. Yeah.
0: It's a shame because it yeah. would be nice if you could just any web browser, just open up, you know, the apple tv.apple.com and watch all of your purchase TV shows. And that shows you that they do want you to be in the Apple ecosystem to watch that. So, well, I, I think we've gone on nearly our hour. So, uh, You know, everybody messes with me about going over an hour. So I guess we should uh, go ahead and wrap this thing up here. So Michael, what is your pick for this week and where can people find you online?
1: so my pick for this week is a thriller so if you're not interested in thrillers maybe you may not like this on Apple TV plus called hijack and uh, uh, hijacked with the ED and I heard about this on double tap and I'm like I'm not going to watch it but then Stephen and Sean kept talking about it. I'm like I need to go check this out and then someone on Twitch's mastodon social mentioned it and I'm like all right that's it I'm done well that happened Friday and uh I'm uh, i have one more episode left so if that tells you anything watched all of it uh it is very enthralling you don't know who's doing what when and why when you think you got it figured out someone comes out with a gun and you're like oh oh, i was not expecting that so definitely worth checking out again that's hijacked on apple tv plus you can find me at you can find me on Mastodon at payom P-A-Y-O-W-N, at unmute.community. Just search for unmute.community to find it in your Mastodon platform if you can't. And on Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern, Marty Sobo and I are in the ACB community answering your tech questions. And, Michael, thanks for having me.
0: You know, I think we've had some great conversations, so I always look forward to when we have Great folks like you, Michael, to come on. And that way I'm not just talking to myself and people are like, oh, we are only getting one perspective. So I'm glad you made it on today. So my pick is also on Apple TV. And if you know anything about me, I love science fiction. And what better science fiction than some of the original made into TV? And that is Foundation Season 2. Oh, man, it is so good. I started it this morning and. It the the visuals are amazing, the story is great, and the you know they brought a lot of the characters back, and the just acting is fantastic. So you have to watch season one to to get what's going on, but uh, just a fantastic story. They do take some liberties with Asimov's work, but what I like about it is the fact that they keep. I mean, there, there is some adult, uh, content, some, some, uh, adult scenes, but a lot of the science and the math, they just give so much respect and so much, uh, um, it is just, it, it doesn't seem like regular TV, just they, they kind of have an older Star Trek vibe to some of the science and math things that they do. And I really like to see that in current day TV and I feel like it's sometimes even missed from from regular Star Trek. So uh, Foundation is just fantastic. Check it out. And yeah, it's on Apple TV+. Plus. So as for where people can find me, I'm on Mastodon at MikeDowies at Techopolis.social. You can email me at mikedowey's at iCloud.com. And I'm on X as Mike Doeys. Pretty much Mike Doeys on anywhere you can find me. And you can send us feedback at feedback at iacast.net. We always love to hear your feedback, what you think of the show, what you'd like to hear us talk about. And, uh, you know, we always enjoy being here. I want to thank everybody that has uh, been on, you know, each episode of IACast, all of our listeners, all of our online viewers, our chatters. And again, if you have not used IACast radio, iacast.net slash listen, the iAccessibility app for iOS, and so many other ways to get it. Also, the iacast live skill from the Echo, or Lady A, as it's called. So, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode, and we will be back next week for another, where we'll be on episode 192, so we're getting close to that 200 mark, so exciting party (laughs) yeah we'll be partying at 200 so uh again thank you and we will see you all next time
1: Thank you for tuning in to the cast We hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at feedback at IACast.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at IACastNetwork to stay informed about new episodes and other updates. Don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the IACast Network. IACast.net. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.